Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. This has been a week of contrasting fortunes for the Labour Party on the island of Britain. Whilst the Labour parties in England and Scotland have gone backwards, the Welsh Labour Party marches on, equaling its best ever result at a Welsh Parliament election. Despite all this, it would be rare to hear this distinction talked about much in the UK media. So to examine the fate of the respective Labour parties and the way Welsh politics is covered by London, we are joined by the political editor of The New Statesman, Stephen Bush. Nice, thanks for having me. I think it's widely regarded that you're one of the London-based journalists who's most interested in covering Welsh politics. But how would you describe the overall quality from UK outlets of Welsh issues? And, and what made you most interested in Welsh politics? That One, that's, that's very kind of you. I mean, I think I would actually struggle to, not just I would struggle to find, find words to describe it to because I'd try to be polite, but because... I guess if I could sum up in a phrase, it would be, well, nevertheless. The thing that continually blows my mind, and it's intimately linked to me about the thing about Welsh politics, which is so interesting, is not the only thing, and but this was kind of the gateway drug to uh, politics, and I actually just genuinely think is just really interesting, uh, is, right? We are living through an era, not just here, but across Europe, right, in which legacy social democratic parties everywhere are struggling their coalitions are being eaten from, you know, by the right, eaten by new parties of the centre. They have huge challenges. And most of those challenges are, OK, not so much in like Cardiff, Swansea, Gower, places which are moving towards social democratic parties um, and parties to the left in general. But much of the Welsh Labour Party's election winning coalition is if you were to draw, if you got, you know, the average social democratic party, including the party it is affiliated to in England go, well, first draw where it hurt you. You would you would draw um, the Welsh electorate. And yet this party, which is also, right, we expect parties after they've been in office for a while just to lose because people get bored. And yet this party has, um, under several quite different leaders, not so much in terms of their left-right positioning, although I think there are some very interesting left-right differences between um, Jones and between Mark Drakeford. But I just think it's... a so at first, I was just intrigued by the fact that by the by the absence of things that hadn't happened. And that was sort of what inspired me to make my first sort of trip. When I first arrived at the New Statesman, I'd kind of been saying at the Telegraph I wanted to go, but it, it never quite happened. So, so the first thing I did at the New Statesman was basically go and go and kind of spend a lot of time asking people why something hadn't happened. And um, one, it just... I just really like Wales. This is one of the things political journalists never really want to admit about the marginal seats they like to visit. Do you know what? There are an awful lot of suburban seats that decide the election, but the Vale of Glamorgan is so nice. The houses are so pretty. It's really easy to get to if, like me, you can't drive, right? There's just this, there's, there's a big incentive to do it. But it's just, in addition to all of that stuff, right, it's just interesting, right? Then there are, okay, this isn't true at the moment because uh, R.T. Davis is back, but there often it's a situation where you can you could say to all three of the party leaders, what do you think of the of you know the new right and and is it is that still a useful way for the for conservatives to govern? And you get a really interesting answer from Mark Drakeford, a really interesting um, answer from some previous Welsh Conservative leaders, and a really interesting answer from Adam Price. Right? And yeah, I know this is a very magazine-y answer to give, but. It's just quite fun to cover politics in an area where the party leaders are all quite cerebral. And, and that, that, to me, was the, was the initial um, enthusiasm. And I just think it's become even more interesting, precisely because of the thing that so much of the media in England seems to do, which is just how fascinating it is that the Welsh Labour Party 
not just continues, but but thrives, right? This this was an incredibly successful election. Now, there are, I think, loads of debates about why that is, but I just think it's really interesting. How do you think it compares to coverage of Scotland? Because that is, you know, hugely volatile. Is it is the reason that Wales is covered less just because we're a slightly more predictable, quote unquote, boring polity and sort of our elections are a bit more easy to predict? So actually, I don't think it really is. That I think it actually is partly about the longer term structure of Scotland's relationship with England and particularly actually the Scottish political parties, particularly the Scottish Labour Party's relationship with Westminster. You know, John Morris, who, who was uh, Secretary of State for Wales under Callaghan, has been was yeah was in the shadow cabinet for Blair's first term in Wilson's shadow cabinet. So yeah, kind of huge experience was in the shadow cabinet almost throughout the whole of the eighties and nineties. Once said to me, um, "Well, you know, I never forgot when I was Secretary of State than than I'm the son of a conquered nation." And I think there's always been that. Well, I think it's partly why the Labour Party has been more successful than the Scottish Labour Party, but there's always been that soft nationalist and slightly ambivalent relationship with England. Whereas the weird irony of the Scottish Labour Party is they were, although they're kind of flirting with not doing this anymore, always the most unionist and, dare I say, almost the most imperialist bit of the British Labour Party, right? They're the bit which kind of has always wanted to kind of come down and go, well, we run Newham and we run large chunks of, of, of Labour's urban strongholds and we're foreign secretaries and we have big feelings about the British state. And therefore, the crisis of the Scottish Labour Party is, I mean, it, it did wipe out, not, yeah, not just the then Shadow Foreign Secretary, but sort of across the Labour tradition, the only sort of foreign policy person across any faction of the Labour Party essentially to survive the 2015 election were Scots who happened to be in England like Pat McFadden and Jeremy Corbyn, right? Like, and, and so I think that there's a weirdness that for English politics, particularly the politics of his main opposition party, the loss of Scotland is just more sort of active, whereas the presence of Wales is, is, is something they kind of do go, oh, well, yeah, and you, because... I think it does come down to that original relationship with England. The flip side of that is I do also think that our coverage of Scottish politics is not great, albeit in quite a different way, right? Than if you think about, say, the row between Joanna Cherry and, and Nicola Sturgeon, in which in both cases, the Sur Sturgeonites and the Salmondites motives are given a level of sort of uncritical support that no one would ever have done about Blairites and Brownites or about allies of Richie Sunak and allies of Boris Johnson or I was going to say allies of Keir Starmer and allies of Angela Rayner, which we've seen till last weekend, we all thought was the same thing, which has been a bit of a journey of discovery for the whole parliamentary party. Um, but um, I, I think then there, there's a kind of weird, there, there's, it is just that the relationship between the three countries is, is, is just weird and that feeds into the coverage. We'll turn to Welsh Labour, obviously, hugely successful uh, election last week. But I think most people get the impression that they're often ignored or sidelined by the UK party. Is that because Wales is an afterthought to Westminster or is it because the Labour Party take Wales for granted that it will mainly vote Labour? So I guess the answer is both because I think right, the, the media, most of the media, we take our cues from the political parties, right? And you see this with, you know, if the Labour Party had opted to go for some slightly ridiculous claim about this election, like actually it's gone well, it's gone well because Dan Norris has won the West of England Metro mayoralty, that would have become not the truth on the BBC, but it would have become an argument that had to be kind of triangulated around. In the same way, the Conservatives going, "Oh, the test we've set for ourselves is winning this hat trick of two mayors they already held." 
Um, thus far, only one mayor has failed to be metro mayor has failed to be re-elected on the first time of asking. So arguably not that impressive. And this by-election in Hartlepool, which um, was always going to be slightly strange. Um, so I think part of why we in Westminster don't talk about it very much is the Labour Party doesn't appreciate it. I think the other part is that it has always... Um, the Welsh Labour Party has always been slightly unfortunate. Ironically, up until now, with its the way it's been perceived in terms of the factional battles within the Labour Party in England, right? Under Ed, there was this kind of sense of, oh, I don't know them that well. I know they had a weird, a slightly weird relationship with Gordon. And David Cameron says maybe they don't run the NHS that well. So it's probably just best not to think about it. And then under Corbyn in the kind of, and split the Corbyn era in, into sort of two phases of, of their relationship with Welsh Labour. Under Corbyn, Carwin's explicit strategy, right, was essentially to continue the thing which had worked for him quite well in 2011, which is to go, it's a big, scary world out there. I'm a big alpha male. The best thing to do for Wales is to vote for me, a big alpha male. And um, and the Labour Party is, in England is also not going to protect you. Yeah, hear me roar. And then you had to switch uh, to, to Mark, who obviously... Um, in some ways was closer to Corbyn's politics economically, but who visibly was not trusted by that leader's office. I'm not not saying I think that if Mark had been able to uh, represent the Welsh Labour Party in the debates in 2019, then none of the Welsh losses would have happened. But it it cannot have hurt Pride pride, than than, um, you had Adam Price knowing a great deal, saying things, and I mean, when I say I don't think they were accurate, I don't think they were more inaccurate than the stuff that party, party leaders say about say about their opponents usually. But against someone in Becky Long Bailey, who for all she has, yeah, lots of strengths as a politician, did not, yeah, did not know the context and did not know the the ground. And then you have another weird phase, right, which is that everything we are continually told by Keir Starmer's closest allies and intimates about what he wants to do for the Labour Party in England. It's like, well, you're describing the Welsh Labour Party, right? Somewhere visibly at ease and in love with the country it, it governs, or in the case of the English Labour Party, aspires to govern. And then, although they embody this in really interestingly different and similar ways, you could not say that Roger Carwin and Mark were not credible, but also they were are in different ways radical, right? They're fairly ideological line. This is the first election I have covered in which the Welsh Labour Party has had good things to say about the level of respect from the party in England. Yet, perversely, we still had a situation in which the party in England, you know, faced between the difficult choice of talking about its success in Wales and setting itself on fire in England, went, I'd like to hear more about the fire. And and so that, to me, is, again, another sort of new and interesting thing, which is I would be lying if I told you I understood why that happened. Um, ignoring the reasons why that the decision was was bad for the English Labour Party, even if they wanted to do it on Monday, I am perplexed that they didn't go, you know, let's get this guy who everyone likes. I'm yet to meet anyone in the, even people who didn't think that he was the right choice to lead, um, to lead him. This, yeah, this slightly weird thing where someone would phone. It's like, I can tell you, you think you're briefing against Mark Drakeford, but the the quantity of affection to briefing against is just completely completely skew if here and yeah so yeah it's, it's a strange relationship actually more to do with the factional position of the Welsh Labour Party vis-a-vis whoever's been in charge in England up until this most recent time when I think it had more to do with a leadership setup than I don't think to be honest understands the machinery of the Labour Party very well weirdly I think some of the things that lots of people I think actually lots of people have said in the Welsh Labour Party it's brilliant um 
we have someone who run, runs the organization properly and understands we know what we're doing and therefore leaves us to it. I think maybe the question is, is actually maybe it was just need doesn't really understand the party and therefore just left them to it, but it had the impression of him having made a sensible decision to leave them to it. Keir was quite comfortable coming to campaign in Wales, but as you said, he, he didn't really do much in the way of congratulations and he didn't do the thing that Labour leaders have always done in the past of going to their most successful victory the morning after. Do you think he would have looked a bit ridiculous trying to claim credit for what is quite obviously Mark Drakeford's victory? Um, I think he would have looked ridiculous trying to claim um, trying to claim a credit for it. I do think, right, in the what Keir's team did was sort of kind of good idea adjacent, but unfortunately the idea adjacent to that good idea was an utterly disastrous idea. There are lots of things that, um, that, that various governments in England can be proud of. There are lots of things that the Welsh Labour government can be proud of. But you know what? I don't think that there's going to be a better day in the office for the Welsh Labour government than the lean vaccine rollout. Yeah, the best the the best role the best roll rollout in any con in any constituent country of the United Kingdom, which is of itself the best rollout of any large country in the world. That is a great story. It, 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 in some ways, it would be deeply depressing if that wasn't a good context for them to run for election. So, although it's true that some of what happened in England was about that also being true, albeit less so for the Conservatives in England, then it was a great day in the office for them. I just think if Keir Starmer had turned up and said, "These people are everything we want to become." No one can say that Mark doesn't love his country. No one can say that Mark isn't credible and no one can say he isn't radical. And all too often in the last decade, the Labour Party has has failed to be radical, failed to be credible, and often seems to rather dislike England. And then if I would advise him, I would have actually said, look, what is the problem the Scottish Labour Party has and what is something that the Welsh Labour Party's done very well? You know, you might as well help them out a bit. Is this perception that they're adjuncts? I would actually say, look, we're going to rename the party in, yeah, so, so I was about to say the party in the UK, but the weird thing is it is the party in England. It kind of has this weird problem where the UK party gets, um, it annoys um, people who are soft nationalists in either Wales or Scotland because they pick up that it is the party in England. But it doesn't get any soft nationalist support in England because it doesn't have the word English in the job title. And I, I think if it done that, right, no one could have said, oh, you're stealing Mark Valor's... Um, Sorry, Mark, I was about to say Mark Valor's Drakeford. Um, you know, would have said you're stealing Mark Drakeford Valor. They'd have gone, yeah, you're learning from success. That's a thing that every, like, every charity does that. Every business does that. The only part of British society in which it's considered gauche to actually learn from success and demonstrate you're doing so is politics. And so I think he could have he could have done that classic Labour leader thing of running to the most successful area without looking a bit like he was going, why, yes, I am, in fact, uh, the kindly grandfather of the nation. I mean, we, we had John Denham on a, a few months ago, and when we talked to him, he said that there's a habit amongst politicians in the UK Labour Party to talk about the UK when they mean England, because it's what they think Scottish nationalists want to hear. Mm. And I think that's you know, definitely repeating itself with the way that the UK party is, is structured. You talk about um, there being no doubt that Mark Drakeford loves the country he runs. And Welsh Labour has embraced its, has embraced its Welshness in a way that English Labour seem completely incapable of doing in terms of grasping its English identity. To what extent do you think that explains the party struggle in sort of former industrial heartlands? Or is it, it must be more complicated than that, right? I mean, I think it's essentially, it's a bit like any job interview, right? If you, fl if, if you flunk the, I am really passionate about Deloitte, 
part of the of the question you ain't going to get a job at Deloitte now if I um, applied for a job at Deloitte not least the fact and candidly I'm not wholly clear what it is Deloitte does there are other reasons I wouldn't get that job but the fact that I would not actually be enthusiastic about it is part of the problem and I do think the the it's, so it's, it's sort of it's 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 like it's a halitosis issue for the Labour Party in England. They don't appear to like a lot of the places they're running, and that means all of the other stuff is worse. So what I think is interesting about the Welsh Labour Party's obvious affection for Wales is the Welsh Labour Party is also better at selecting people who are talented who are from bits of Wales where there ain't ever going to be a Welsh Labour MP. Right. The, the Welsh Labour Party use if, if you imagine, right, let's imagine that those okay, those polls that starts campaign already always looked a bit weird because you had like voters going, love Mark Drakeford, love the, the government, plan to vote against it. And it was always like, well, history suggests and then what happened is is the first two ten turn turn out to be true and the last one isn't. But let's imagine that had happened. There had only been 20 seats in the Senate. Bluntly, pound for pound. Um, that's a more impressive parliamentary party than the parliamentary party in England. Why? Because despite um, not seeming to be able to, in lots of cases, seem to like the country they run in, the towns they run in, they, run, they do love going, no, um, this seat, which is, you know, you, know, you see it around, around here in London, right? There's often a real resentment around the idea that maybe the obligation that the London Labour Party has, as, as you know, the, the most reliable heartland albeit one which is even more heartlandy than it used to be is to um you know get a couple of people in from the chilterns get a couple of people in from bits of the west midlands right there's no sort of sense in the same way there is in the tory party and fascinating there is a bit more in welsh labor and i think maybe if the english labor party felt more at ease with england it wouldn't feel than what it had to do is go we must like you look this person's never left this town i mean it's obviously been a very tough few weeks for the UK Labour Party as you said um, they enjoy a bit more of the fire uh, but what do you think fundamentally explains the the major differences between the UK Labour Party and, and the Welsh Labour Party is it is it stuff you've already talked about or do you think it goes deeper than that do you think there is something more that explains why English Labour has seemingly just I don't want to say lost the plot but certainly not uh, not be able to find its feet quite as comfortably as everybody thought they were going to be doing when Keir Starmer became leader I think there are a couple of, of things, some of which there is a direct Welsh lesson from, some of which are sort of, um, yeah, kind of orthogonal, right? And some of the things which there's a direct lesson for are unfortunately not very helpful, right? Which is incumbency is great. It's why it's good not to lose it. Um, the flip side of that is, and again, I raised this as a second lesson, which is, again, not very helpful, is the Welsh Labour Party has done a much better job of renewing itself in office in a number of very intriguing ways, I think, which is, Firstly, you know, this weird thing where you had on you know, Friday and Saturday, Labour and PCO, the last Labour government supported trickle down, which one, it didn't. But actually, even if it had, it's just a bit weird to be talking about it. It's almost going to be old enough. The last Labour government will almost be old enough to vote by the time of the next election. Mark, literally one of the most important spads in the Welsh government at the time of the last Labour government was not walking around going, hey, look. I've got another thing I've got to tell you about how good that government was. But what they did do, which I thought was very interesting, was because um, obviously you know, Mark is a, a lovely guy, but clearly it seems in the everyone in Wales now now knows that. But what they did, which I thought was very clever, was the, the kind of I'm a big scary alpha male stuff that worked really well with Karen was not going to work with Mark. 
And instead it kind of became an, the, the PPBs were almost like the adverts for a, a well-loved ethical business, you know, kind of like we've been creating good solid jobs. We look after all of our workforces. It was almost kind of like, they sort of made him like the Unilever grandpa almost. And I think that's a, that is an interesting lesson, right? Which is that I think, I mean, I think you can have policy positions that make you unelectable and you can have policy positions coupled with your candidate's strengths and weaknesses and make you unelectable. But I don't think there's such a thing as an unelectable candidate, but there is such a thing as losing an election because the way you pitch your candidate is weird and inauthentic, right? If Mark Drakeford had ran as I'm the big scary guy who's going to stand up for you and the reason why you should vote for me if you voted for UKIP in the past is because I'm big and scary and I look like I might be able to hold my own in a way Carwin did do very well, he would have looked like a fraud. Like it people would have laughed. But he was able to get the same people to vote for him with a campaign that fitted his, his essential strengths. And then I do think there's um, there is an important difference, right? Then, yeah, this is a, a horrible truth about political journalists, but... You know, when you talk to people, you, you you try to get them to tell you stuff by slightly leaning your politics and questions towards theirs. And throughout my time covering the Labour Party, if someone says, oh, I work in Labour HQ, OK, the, the, the politics has changed in that period. But you were always able had a pretty good idea of like, oh, right. So the things I need to say to you in order to get you to open up to me are going to be pretty much the same. And if someone else from HQ sits down and you start talking about your partner and what you're going to do that evening i'm not suddenly have to going to have to calibrate between two political opinions and actually um the welsh labour party is um is interesting because i don't think the welsh labour party if you think about the breadth of opinion its parliamentary parties is as broad as the parliamentary party in england but in terms of paid staff of the welsh labour party there is a wider ideological breadth talent does not recognize does not have an ideological barrier right and if you have a kind of as under successive Labour leaders, right, the, the, the your face must fit this profile has changed, but the you must fit this profile has stayed much the same. The party's not going to be well run. And this, yeah, not to be a, a stuck record on how I think the thing that I just find strange as an outsider is everything Keir has said he wants to do to the Labour Party there is an analogue for. But there are also specific lessons in England, um, not least the fact that obviously... Um, Crime is a bigger, a bigger political issue in England for a variety of demographic reasons. The madness of the London property market, although it has echoes in parts of the Cardiff property market, is, is just completely off the charts, right? Um, and so there are different challenges and there are different opportunities in England. But I do think um, but I think mostly it is also about yeah, renewing yourself in office. One of the most important uh, things Tony Blair ever wrote, even though I'm not sure he necessarily always follows this himself, is, look, start with an honest analysis of why you are in opposition. But in government, there's also a start with an honest analysis about why you could go into opposition at the next election. And have we had an honest analysis from the Labour Party? I mean, I just think anyone who concluded that the honest analysis of what went wrong was the campaign coordinator and the party chair... Um, or this kind of performative, let's 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 sack the chief whip who's retiring anyway, but in a way which just leaves a really bad taste when everyone was just expecting him to be given his clock and his champagne, and instead we're pretending that he was planning to do 10 more years. He was going to be chief whip until he was, he was 80. And I think that honesty is, 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 is a thing they can learn to. Well, they can learn how to do a nice, well-organised reshuffle like Mark Drake did yesterday as well. Do you think, I mean, you've come up with such good lessons that they could learn. But do you think UK Labour will actually ever take any of this on board? Do you still think they think that they are the dominant part, they are the dominant part of the party and therefore they whatever they do is the right thing to do? Yeah, 
I do think at the moment there's a real problem and they do think of themselves as the dominant part of the party. And you really see this. I say this as someone who, you know, I, I've long been a huge admirer of Andy Burnham. I think, you know, he's warm, he's charismatic, he comes across. The, but do you know what? The challenges of being, as he is, very effective mayor are, I would argue, not as easy a read across as the challenge of winning and holding power in a devolved parliamentary context. Yet why do people go, oh, what's Andy doing? Well, because he's in England, the centre of the world. The flip side is, I, I think John Denham is exactly right on this, in that as Labour in England discovers to talk about itself as a party in England, it will kind of, almost by accident, I think, start to go, oh, right, so there are two different, there are two Labour parties in Scotland and Wales. And so whether it learns it by looking across at Wales first and then going, okay, we should probably become a more English-focused Labour Party, or it kind of goes, hey, guess what idea? We've come up entirely independently. The moment they start to do that, they start, they will start to go, oh, right, there's, there's lessons we can learn here. I feel pretty confident in saying I don't think Labour will win again in England until it has a interest in what it is doing both well and badly across the United Kingdom, because... I think in terms of the political choices that the Welsh Labour government faced as a result of the COVID direct grant from, from 2010 onwards, that opting not to protect the NHS and instead to protect health in the round was the right decision from a social justice perspective. But it did, of course, have implications for the effectiveness of the NHS in Wales. Given that Ed Miliband wanted to fight an election about the idea that they would make different choices to balance the books, it was a mistake to run away from the Welsh NHS rather than run towards it. But he wouldn't have had to have more respect for what the Welsh Labour government was doing. But it was obviously not working to run away from that as a story, right? It just, it just made it seem like basically the Conservatives say actually they run the NHS better and the Labour Party clearly agrees. And if, if Ed had handled that better, he would have paid more attention to Welsh Labour by accident. And I think, so I think it, it, either the, le the lesson is gonna actually happen by looking across or it's gonna happen by learning from within. But it's just not, it's not serious. In the same way, it's not serious to think Labour can win if it's policy of like, what do you think about what the mayor of London is saying is to go, oh, no culture wars, please. We only do the economics over here. In a devolved, in a devolved country, you, you, you can't win power unless you have a credible narrative about how the places you hold in power are good. Or actually, right, in case Keir listens to it and he feels like doing something else self-destructive, I really don't think it would be a good idea to run against the Welsh Labour Party or indeed the Labour Party in London. But that's also a route to power. That, that also might, in a very different context, be a route to, to winning. But again, I'd like to emphasise, in case he does listen, seriously don't do it. Do you think that the three constituent Labour parties would be better off as sort of independent sister parties? I mean, it would allow them the space to, to grow that I think is obvious that the English and Scottish parties really need. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I feel like the answer is, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, and, uh, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't reasoning back from my visceral sense that they would be better off doing that. The, 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 the flip side of that, though, is that if you look at the Labour Party rulebook in 1999, the least autonomous bit of the party, in fact, is the one that basically kind of went, well, we're going to act like we're autonomous. Um, yeah, we, yeah, kind of the role of leader of Welsh Labour didn't exist until the last decade, which is one of those things that every time I say it out loud, I have to fight the urge to Google it to check that I haven't made that up. It, because 
yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I was about to say it's a great pub question, pub quiz question. Maybe it's not a great pub quiz question in a lot of places, but it would be a pub quiz question that even people who followed Welsh politics very closely, I think, would get wrong. If you said, who is the first leader of, of, of the Welsh Labour Party, they would not go, oh, it was Carbon Jones, because they acted like they led this thing called the Welsh Labour Party. But clearly, structures do matter. They give people the confidence to do things than um, the Welsh Labour Party you know, did just by creating a structure for itself. Um, and so I think it would be it would be better. I think it would um, it would free up both the Scottish Labour Party to have its debate about how it wins without a kind of nodding towards. Because I guess the, the 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 particular problem of the Scottish Labour Party is they really do want to revive in Scotland, so they can go back to telling the Labour Party in England how to run itself. The Labour Party in England has still got that weird cringe of, oh, there's this thing called Scotland, and 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 don't doesn't the Scottish Labour Party understand that? And maybe I should stick out of it and I think the second they were two separate parties one the Scottish Labour Party would have to reckon with the fact that the Scottish Labour Party ain't going to get to run the English Labour Party again right those days are over right the 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 era of you know here's a diverse part of London and 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 Scottish councillors yeah like run it in like a kind of like a fiefdom that ain't coming back right it's it, it it's gone. And the era of the English Labour Party sitting around and going, oh, well, although your internal problems do create electoral problems for us in the Midlands, we're just going to sit very quietly and not interfere. That doesn't work the second that they are properly separate entities. So I think it, I think it is part of, part of it. I do just think also, in terms of stuff which is just free, right, just putting the name of the country you, um, you, you are trying to win power in... And this is the thing, I mean, I can't remember. So whenever I type the words Welsh Labour, on second mention, I want to use the, the yeah, the, I will just want to use the word Labour. I can still hear um, the voice of someone who no longer works for the Welsh Labour Party, basically phoning me up and very gently going, it's the Welsh Labour Party. It's always the Welsh Labour Party. And that kind of thing, you know, people kind of go, oh, well, it's not about things like appearing in front of flags. Well, it sort of is, but only downstream in the... If for some reason there was not a flag, um, you know, on the fifth floor, I don't think that someone will go, we've got to have a flag here because otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll be eaten by the nationalists. Someone will just go, why, why is there not a flag? And I, so I think, yeah, there's a very long-winded long way of saying, look, yes, I think so. I would be lying if I said I didn't just emotionally believe that was the right way to do. But I do just, it just feels obviously part of the solution. Obviously, the Constitution has formed the basis of a lot of Scottish Labour's problems, and it looks like it will form the basis of English Labour's problems. Welsh Labour have come up with this plan for home rule. They seem to be the part of the party that's driving constitutional change the most. Do you think they have any chance of getting that change through? Is there any success plausible for that plan within UK Labour? Do you think it might get watered down or maybe not even find its way into the, into the next manifesto at all? And do you think that without a Labour government, there's any chance of any of that constitutional change happening? I think it has a good chance of ending up in the, the next uh, Labour manifesto because bluntly, two th one of two things are going to happen, right? Either Keir Starmer, who it kind of continually blows my mind to remember this, but, but nonetheless, it is true, right? Who is the greenest leader a political party has ever had, right? Far less of an understanding of the Labour movement than, than Jeremy Corbyn, Ed Miliband, Tony Blair albeit with very different relationships to that movement and very different origin stories in terms of how they became leader, either he will learn on the job and shape up or he'll be shipped out. 
but one way or the other, I just can't envisage when, when you know, the Labour Party is coming to, you know, it's Clause 5 meetings and it's manifestos, then, then the fact that there is now a constitutional Welsh Labour voice doesn't lead to um, that being a large part of the stuff around, around the constitutional position. Now, I realise my argument here is because that would be a major act of, of self-harm. And obviously there was a major act of self-harm in terms of how the Labour Party in England related to the Welsh Labour Party in 2019. But I think whoever is leader in 2020, uh, whatever it is, will not repeat that precise mistake. Not when there are so many new ones to make. Um, in terms of the devolution question, now, as long as Boris Johnson is prime minister, bad managers hate to delegate. Um, they, they delegate when they have to, which is why Michael Gove is so important, um, because yeah, he essentially performs large chunks of the roles we would usually uh, attribute to the prime minister. Um, but, you know, they're so bruised by Andy Burnham um, coming out best politically out of the tussle over furlough extension, so bruised by their kind of their bad relationship with Sadiq Khan, then there is not, I think, going to be meaningful devolution in either sense in the... Yeah, so let's take, like, what, what is a thing that a, a Conservative Party which really cared about strengthening the union would be doing? It would be making it easier for people who, who work there already to commute from North Wales to Liverpool. But are they going to do that? No, because they are not going to connect a, a Labour voting Wales to a Labour voting Liverpool. That just isn't how they conceive of infrastructure projects, despite the fact that it's something that broadly has um, the buy-in of, 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 well, I was about to say of both mayors. I, was, I don't know what Joanne Anderson's position on it, but had, had the, had the buy-in of both mayors before, and I imagine probably still has the buy-in of both Labour mayors, and the buy-in of, of the Welsh Labour government. That kind of this government doesn't want to share power if it if you know if it's worried the voters might do something so gauchous, give it to the other lot. So I don't think we'll see much devolution under this conservative government. But there's still lots of conservatives who like that kind of thing. Uh, lots of them who look at who look at say the metro mayor elections and they go, well, this this proves the theory, right? You you can't say that any of those metro mayors, you know, the ones who lost, the ones who won weren't in large part able to be the authors of their own destiny. And the argument that, that people would often make against evolution in a Westminster context is you do this and all you're doing is you just essentially spinning the spinning the wheel on whether or not people vote against what happens in, in London and they end up with worse services as a result. But there are still people who are excited by the devolution uh, stuff in a serious way. I also think Okay, maybe we'll maybe those of us who are optimistic will get this V-shaped recovery. There won't be any economic scarring, and we will just stride confidently out of lockdown. But if the concerns about jobs and growth do materialise, the engine of growth is, is is allowing local communities to spend money themselves to invest in yeah you know, to invest in their communities and 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 really give them that that's yeah rather than trying to pick winners from Whitehall. So so I think devolution and the home rule stuff will come back. It will come back through Labour and it will come back regardless of who is in power because it turns out it just works. Going back to Wales for one second, uh, you've interviewed Adam Price in the past, and it's safe to say, I think you were, you were quite impressed by him. Were you surprised that they didn't really go forward in last week's Senate election? And why do you think they struggle where the SNP have thrived? Yeah, so I, I was very impressed by Adam Price, and indeed still am uh, very impressed uh, by Adam Price. And I will, well, by last week, I was not surprised. And I think, you know, yeah, weirdly, from that first, even that first poll of the campaign period, which looked very bad, I just, I just looked and I thought, we saw this story in 2011 with Scottish Labour, we saw this story in 2015 with David Cameron, 
we, 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 I just think we all know now what the still when how the story ends when people say I, I, I like the prime minister or the first minister, but I'm not sure about his party. Is people understand how the electoral system works and they, 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 they move in the way they're going to move. I have to be, you know, to give you a sneak peer, preview of my uh, end of the year post mortem. I have to be honest. Then uh, I very foolishly thought that Mark, uh, who's not, did not think he would be able to um, recreate that coalition actually better than they did in 2016 with um a sort of i'm not saying carbon's not a nice dad but you know what i mean like a kind of sort of a nice folksy dad i just didn't didn't think that that would work and i thought that you know um and i i accept and i, I indeed recognize some of the reasons why adam can run 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 people in in welsh politics up the wrong way but the kind of um the sort of unquestionable quite traditional star power he had i did think would be more of a pull than it was now, so I think there are a couple of reasons. I think that one, it's just hard to occupy. You know, the the, the world Socialists has just done a better job of occupying middle Wales. I was about to say middle Wales, and I thought I'm not going to get to a digression about the three Waleses, but it's done a better job of of occupying middle opinion, right? And it's done, a, and and therefore applied applied end up sucked into a a slightly more undesirable and unattractive and unattractive space. Secondly, uh, and, you know, it's kind of intriguing what, whether or not this lasts when they presumably will have a new, new leader. I think it is a problem that the, that the Welsh Conservatives have decided that the big strategic argument about how you get Welsh Labour out no longer applies, which worked well for them in terms of gaining votes. And, you know, they gained a whole one seat um, for, uh, from that approach. But it's very hard for... Uh, it, it did. It did. I think destroy Adams. I think correct strategic argument that they have got to get you out. Yeah. They. They. If, if they don't get you out there, they're continually stuck being sort of the the slightly kooky. Oh, aren't you the same? But but you have you know people who are actually quite crazy and unpleasant and you know. And also the flip side. Yeah. Just just to get me um, shouted at by any SNP listeners. And I, I think it is harder for Plaid Cymru because they have a more legitimate grievance. Then I'm sorry, Scottish nationalism is is not about oh my language was taken from me, but it just there's there's just a whole there's a whole litany of actually really bad stuff that England has done to Wales, which is great. In the if a time traveller said to me something's happened and the SNP have been wiped from the map, I would go okay. I don't understand how that's happened, but I can believe it. Whereas I think there will always be space in Welsh politics. I can remember that's actually also kind of their problem then they do have to work harder to get out of it. And they face a Welsh Labour Party that has shown no signs of not, A, understanding that, and B, being incredibly able to, to kind of sit in. So Welsh, the other thing Welsh Labour teaches this, the English Labour Party is the centre ground is a, is a really useful concept. But the centre ground I am talking about does not have any relation to the centre ground of the 90s, the 50s, the 80s. And indeed, in some ways, it doesn't have that much relation to the centre ground in England of, the, uh, of, of 2019. But, but we all kind of know when we talk about the success of the Welsh Labour Party that they are occupying a centre ground. And I think one of the problems uh, Labour in England often gets into is it confuses sort of the ideological centre of, yeah, there's someone on the left here, there's someone on the right here, with the actual centre of, this is where median opinion is and here's how you pitch your values in a way that resonates with median opinion, this ever-changing but really quite important place to be. Stephen Bush, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please don't forget to find us on Medium at Here Ice Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Here Ice Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Here Ice Blog. If you want to hear more from Stephen, you can find him at Stephen KB on Twitter. And if you don't already, listen to the New Statesman podcast. It's a favourite of everyone here at Team Hero. Jochen Vau, Paul Vau. Thank you for listening to Hero. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.